I want you to begin this morning by, uh, for those of you that are comfortable with it, you can close your eyes. Those of you who don't trust a room full of people with your eyes closed, you don't need to. But could you just begin this morning uh, by imagining for me uh, a blank space, just yourself in a completely empty space. I want you to consider uh, what you're stood on, maybe what's at the horizon, what things can you see in the distance. What sounds can you hear? Is there anything else going on around you? Now I want you to let your imagination run wild somewhat. Start creating. Start filling the space around you. What kind of things would you have around you? What kind of things would there be? What's going to start growing up from the ground? Where are you going to live? You can open your eyes, come back. Hopefully they weren't places that you want to dwell in for the rest of the morning. Um, Seems silly. Seems like an odd little task to do. Blank spaces, how is that going to tie into anything that I want to say this morning? But I wonder how many of you in your imagination just then had structures within your imagination. How many of you constructed something, built something? Be it somewhere to live, Somewhere to dwell, somewhere to do activities. You see, as much as wide open space is a joy, fresh air, all of those wonderful things, the reality is at some point we will need somewhere to dwell. We will need somewhere to live. Eventually, we will need to build. From barns to bungalows, houses to hotels, there is something within human nature that is created to build. Something within us that has the capacity to construct and to develop. The world we live in is ever-growing outwards and upwards. Which I find interesting because this morning's story, the parable that we've seen the video of that Nigel shortly is going to come and read, tells us of building. And yet often I think we picture it like this, as a children's story. Something Jesus told to adults, but quite clearly meant for children to understand the concept of good and bad. Sometimes we find it amusing, sometimes we just dismiss it because we've heard it so many times. I'm going to ask Nigel to come now and read for us this amazing story that I believe God wants to say something very clearly to us through. Thank you, Nigel. Uh, The reading is the New Revised Standard Version of Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 24 and concluding at verse 29. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded 
on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Thank you very much. Would you join me just praying quickly? Father God, I want to thank you for this amazing story. And God, I pray this morning, just as we begin to explore it again, would you speak to us anew? God, I pray that it would challenge our hearts. God, may the words that are said in this room not simply finish in this room, but would they move into our lives? So would you be with us now, God? Just open our hearts to hear from you. Amen. I'm sure for many of you, you know uh, the story already. For a lot of you, you'll know songs. Uh, Don't worry, I'm not going to sing them. Uh, But there's a whole host of songs on this subject. Um, We've done crafts on them. There is all sorts that allow us to know how foolish it would be to build on sand. But I think sometimes we read this story and we conclude that this is quite clearly a building story for builders. This is advice for life, and that's how you go forward as a builder. But I think there is a whole lot more going on here. Jesus gives us this understanding that for our building duo, there are two choices. For the two characters in our story, there are two choices. They can build on the sand or they can build on the rock. When Jesus told this story the first time around, when he engaged with his audience, they would have had a way better understanding of this than we do. For them, this was a very real reality. This was an actual concept, a place. They would be able to see, quite possibly from where they heard the story, two destinations that you could build, in a sandy place and in a rocky place. So sometimes for us, we get caught out because we seem to imagine this as some floating scenario, some other place that Jesus is talking about. Or maybe we look at it as a sandpit that a child would play in and there's some stones in there. But we need to remember the hearers of this first time around would have been able to see the two places that Jesus is referring to. Jesus tells them that from their vantage point, there are two places. The rock and the sand. Within the building of the villages that these people lived, they would have used valleys. They would have built within valleys, and within those valleys you would have had a rocky ground, which was higher on the valley side, and you would have had a sandy ground, which was at the basin, at the bottom of the valley. Those of you who have spent long enough in Wales will know that the lower down you are when it starts to rain, the more likely you are to get a very wet front doorstep. 
And this was the case. The people hearing this would have known the further down the valley you go, the more common flooding was. The more common it was that as rains fell, the water would congregate in these places. It would truly be folly to build there. There was an element of laziness building there. The ground was already soft. Carrying things downwards is far easier than carrying things upwards. In the valley, you're sheltered from the beating sun. The winds aren't going to be quite so bad as you look to construct. Jesus again was telling them, you know what, it might be foolishness, but it's easy. There's a laziness to the sand. But then you had the higher ground, the place where it was more common to build but would have taken more work. The ground was firm. It would have taken time and effort to break it down, to lay a foundation, to build. Carrying things uphill would have been more tiresome. The sun would beat down. Whilst most villages were built in these places, it would have taken far more effort. There was a cost to building on that rock. Jesus using two practical places, two real places, I think, is the first thing we need to just acknowledge this morning. This isn't some pie-in-the-sky story. This isn't just some clever illustration that doesn't really have a, a, a location. This is Jesus saying to them and to us, when people build, they have choices. Those choices are to take the easiest option, even though we know that that will lead to some problems, or do we want to endure and take the slightly more challenging option? And of course, Jesus gives two options. There is only two options. He doesn't elaborate. He doesn't give them the hillside with a grassy foundation. He says there are two choices. John 14, 5 and 6, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where we are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not hugely trendy anymore to look at this passage. In a world that's telling us to be more accepting, and I believe acceptance is crucial, I believe the relationship we have with other people is foundational to what we do, but we need to read these words and understand when Jesus says there are two places to build, he means there are two places to build, life with Jesus or life without Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is dispelling the myth that it doesn't matter how we get up the mountain so long as we get up it. There is one route to the Father. That's through Jesus. So Jesus is laying out in this story to these people with practical locations, there are two choices in your life. You will accept me or you will reject me. They are your choices. They are what you are building towards. There is only sand or rock. I believe that the only way to the Father is through Jesus, as we've read, but I also crucially believe that doesn't mean we should ignore everything else he says. This isn't just a great opportunity for us to go, awesome, crushed it, brilliant house, built on rock, everything sorted. I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying at all. 
I tend to find, and I don't know what your experiences are, but people are far more repelled by the church because of our hypocrisy than they are by the message of Jesus. People aren't looking at what Jesus said and saying, I don't like that. What they're saying is, I see what Jesus says and I see what you do, and they don't match up. Just like everything else in life, it doesn't match up. So why would I, why would I endure? Why would I build there? Likewise, I've been involved in conversations this week. Far more people are turned off of the idea of Jesus because of the lack of love they see from the church. We are very good at doing mission abroad, sending money. I don't belittle any of that. We're very good at it. But how often are we love in our day-to-day lives? How often do people see Jesus' love through the way we conduct ourselves? If you remember Jesus' teaching, we are called to love our neighbor. We're called to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, protect the widowed, stand against injustice, touch the untouchable, and love the unlovable. Building on the rock is really hard. Building on the rock is hard. I love this passage. What does the Lord require of me? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this generation. So yes, I believe when Jesus tells a story of two builders, he is talking about two choices. And the only way to the Father is through him. But then we have passages like this that teach us the way a world that don't know Jesus is going to find him is through us. It's through the way we conduct ourselves. It's the way that we speak to people, the way that we are generous to people. Building on the rock is hard. There's an effort to it. Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the wide gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. It is hard to build on the rock. Why? Not just the building, but everything that comes with it. Uh, I'm going to need two volunteers. Uh, Nothing hugely uh, terrible for you. Sam, would you be one of my volunteers, please? Uh, My other volunteer is this gentleman. Um, So Gareth, if you'd like to come up. Gareth uh, is basically an international celebrity now because he's always on the news. Uh, I found on my photo feed three different occasions that I now have photos of you on the news. Uh, So um, we're going to have a paper toss challenge. Uh, which sounds fairly simple. So I'm going to put uh, this down here, Gareth. If you and Sam can go and stand that side. We're only using one piece of paper each because we're uh, environmentally friendly. Uh, so if you can stand with your feet off that. I'm going to make it a little bit easier because this really doesn't work if you miss. <laughs> so uh, if you could uh, both have a go at... Yeah, that's true, but I'm trusting you. Because if for those that can't read the small print, it does say that he is the Welsh Paper Toss champion. That's why you've been interviewed by <laughs> Welsh News Today. Uh, so could you uh, both have a go at trying to uh, get the paper into our waste paper basket? Oh, it's fine, because Gareth's the champion. So we'll give you one more go each uh, at this one. So it's one nil to Gareth. No, can we cheer for them a little bit? Just... Okay. 
So it's 2-1. So we're going to upgrade because uh, we've just read uh, wide is uh, the path that leads to destruction. Uh, so now we have a cup. I did check. The paper will go in the cup uh, just. So, Sam, do you want to go first? Because uh, we're expecting Gareth to get this in. <laughs> Unfortunate Gareth. Oh, okay, one more go each. Gareth, you're not actually meant to get it in. It will ruin the point. <laughs> okay, one more go each. 2-1 to Gareth, Sam. Ooh. Ooh. Close, but not close enough. Thank you both. Could you sit down, please? Could we have a round of applause for them? That'd be lovely. You see, other than the fact Sam missed the first time, which wasn't in what I hoped would happen, but thank you for coming, um, it was easy to throw the paper into a waste paper basket. It was wide. It was bigger, it was easier, it took way less effort. If you notice, the amount of time it took each of them to focus on throwing the paper differed. The wider the target, the less we invest, the less we consider the risk of missing because we don't assume we will. Yet when we put a cup there, it was harder. It took more focus, it took more time. For many in the world of paper tossing, I'm sure they practice uh, that kind of thing. But the narrower it is, the harder it is, the more it takes from us, the more we need to invest in it. And I believe what we see again in this parable of the builders is Jesus saying there are two choices. And one of them is wider and easier and takes less effort and you can pretty much breeze through it. And the other is narrower and harder, will take more practice and more effort. On the sand, you're protected. It's easier to dig, easier to lay a foundation. The wind, whilst present, will be somewhat protected from the walls of the valley. The wide, easy path. Minimal output, uh, sorry, minimal input for what appears to be maximum output. But to build on the rock takes time and effort. You need to get the resources there. You need to work hard to dig foundations. You see, this is the problem we face. It may be foolish to build on sand. But it is really appealing. It is really appealing to take the easiest option. I don't know about you, but I still find it in my life, and I do very little building. But I find it in my life, I'm presented with a situation and that I am led by my nature to choose the sandy option because it's easy. It's the easy option. Walking through Cardiff yesterday, uh, those of you who have been in Cardiff will know there is a huge homeless problem currently in Cardiff. I had a choice. The sandy path or the rocky path? How important is my time? What's my agenda? Where am I going? Why is that more important than a person? Am I called to be the hands and feet of Jesus or am I called just to stand there in my well-built house? Because when we're building on the rock, not only are we building our faith, not only are we building our understanding, our prayer life, church, but I believe we are also called to help others. You see, while we're building, we're called to be love, to be light, to be patient, gentle, humble, not to be judgmental of those who have taken the sand option. Building a house, I'm fairly sure on rock, is hard. Building a life, that looks like Jesus is incredibly hard. 
But that is what we're called to do, to build and to love. To build what I'm doing and yet to love. To build and still show grace to others. To build and to welcome. To build and pray. To build and serve. We're called to build something bigger than ourselves. Because in life, in everything that we're facing, there are storms coming. There are challenges ahead. I don't really need to be particularly intelligent to know that. You guys live in Wales with me. Uh, I was wearing shorts two weeks ago, and last week I was watching snow. Cool. Uh, life throws this at us. No matter what's going on, no matter where we may be, there will be storms coming. In fact, Jesus warns us. Life shows us. It is not going to be plain sailing for anyone. And it's when those storms come that we will see if the foundations that we laid, all of that time and that effort that we prepared when the weather was fine, are going to hold firm. It's only when the storms come that we find out what the investment we put in was really worth. When the storms come are those areas of my life that are damaged and broken. Have I laid a foundation in God to know that he is there for me? That he can repair the brokenness? That he can heal, restore and forgive me? But you see it's interesting because it's very easy for us to finish that. I could end the service and we could be like, you know what, Tim, that's awesome. Thank you so much. I get it. I need to prepare my life better so that when difficulty comes, I have a better faith in Jesus. That's the challenge of the builders. I think there's more. I personally believe there is far more to this story because when the storms come, building on the rock is harder. Why? Because we aren't called to sit here in our chapel, built on rock, and talk about how silly those fools are who built on the sand. My job is not to tell you guys you've done well and everyone else has done rubbish. That is not what we are called to. I believe that we are called as the church, as people who have taken time to build on the rock. We are called to stand against that inner desire to be self-righteous, to sit there warmly wrapped in our faith blanket while we watch everyone else's lives go to ruin. We are called for more than that. We are called to leave the safety of this place and step into the winds and rains. In those moments, we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus during the storms for those people whose lives are being torn apart. You see, the story works both ways. It may be hard for us to have built a foundation that keeps us safe in the storm, but there's others who haven't taken that investment and their lives are going to start looking worse and worse. And the question has to be, who is going to be there? Who's going to be there for them when everything starts to fall apart? Are we going to stand in the wind and the rain alongside those who have been rejected? Or are we going to stay in the security of our well-built church? Are we going to stand in the wind and rain alongside those who are in poverty? Are we going to stand in the wind and rain alongside those who have been abused? Am I willing to stand in the wind and the rain alongside those who are battling illness? 
Am I willing to leave the comfort of my church and stand in the wind and rain alongside those who have been abandoned? Are we the church willing to step out of the comfort and the security to stand in the wind and rain alongside those who are grieving? We heard this earlier. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When we build, are we building somewhere secure? Or are we building somewhere visible? People will know the Father through Jesus. They will see Jesus through us. And in here, we're not all that bright. In here, we're pretty well shut off. So this is talking about the lives we lead outside of here. Are we going to step out of the comfort? I want to build a house that's exposed. I want to build a house on a rock that is big enough to invite those in who are broken. I want this to be a church whose doors are wide enough to let in a broken community. Because it's broken. And life's better than food. What do we do? What's God want from us? To do justice. Where there's injustice. To love kindness in a world that is all about self and to walk humbly. The risk is that we get so caught up in the comfort and the security and the pat on the back that we have done well that we forget a broken world is outside of them. They need to see Jesus through us. As I close, I just want to reiterate these points. God is not calling me, God is not calling you to sit tight until he comes to call us home. God isn't saying, sit tight, I'm coming for you, it's okay. If you can just get through, then I will come and I will call you home and everything will be rosy. He's calling us to more. God is calling me, he is calling you to bring heaven to earth. That's the calling on our lives, is not to sit here in our churches and be safe, but the calling on our lives is to bring heaven to earth. We pray it so frequently. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we just survey still. And I believe when we pray that, thy will be done on earth as it is into heaven, God is sat there saying, awesome, do it. Do it. That's what building on the rock looks like. It is putting things in place in your life that are strong enough that when others fall apart you can reach out a hand and save them. You can pick them up. You can love them. You can support them. You can help them heal. And through that, through that you are the light of the world and they will see me through your actions. God is not calling me. He is not calling you to sit still. But to bring heaven As I played with this story, as I looked at it, 
as I took it apart, as I started to understand what was happening when Jesus was talking to his first audience, I began to realize that this is not a survival story. This is very much a revival story. Jesus wasn't talking about how to survive. I believe he was teaching how the church will bring revival to its communities, how you will build something firm that will endure the storms, and you will welcome in those who are homeless. Be that practically, be that emotionally, be that spiritually. God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And I pray that you join with me in asking that I would be one who ushers that in. May I be one who ushers in your kingdom on